Business Wrap of the Day. Fifteen minutes it is before eight PM, and uh, to take a look at the top business stories that are moving markets today, I'm joined on the line uh, by uh, uh, Bright Kumalo, who's an analyst at uh, Vestact Asset Management. Bulaz Gunjan. I'm good, Mtunga. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Mtunga, I want us maybe to start uh, at the Houses of Parliament, and uh, I don't want to talk about what I was talking about a few sentences ago, about uh, what had happened uh, between Boy Mamabolo and uh, EFF leader uh, Julius Malema, but uh, something else that happened uh, in one of the committees, their standing committee on uh, public accounts. Now, uh, the uh, Board of ESCOM, as the accounting uh, you know, body here, certainly when it comes to uh, lawmakers and their relationship with our SOEs, um, there was an expectation that they would pitch here. And uh, it seems that Professor Malekhapuru and uh, many of the members in that board didn't make it. And uh, a certain CEO there, Andre Dereta, cutting a loan figure, but also having to deal with the heat of not having uh, his board around him. Yeah, it makes you actually wonder, like, what exactly happened? Did, uh, you know, the board communicate um, to say we will... Uh, congruently and not <laughs> go yeah, to that meeting and put this guy um, <laughs> and throw him under the bus or we'll, you know, uh, it, it, it's very interesting uh, what's happening at ESCOM because, I mean, we need uh, as much, uh, you know, uh, firepower or mm. as we can to, to, to try to solve our little, uh, little bit problem that we have uh, in this uh, state utility. But if, if, if the, the right parties aren't coming to the party and talking about these hard issues and ways forward, but, but then again, maybe some guys are like, you know what, you've been to, to too many of these meetings and nothing actually ever mm-hmm. happens. And people always want to, you know, uh, know what progress is made from the last sure, time, but sure. they're not actually giving you um, um, uh, the, the, the freedom to actually do your job, which is, for example, the one good way of approaching these kind of things is, is to say, look, the state utility currently has a lot of people, um, there's a lot of staff, and we need to cut one fifth of staff to go forward, and we need to fix these um, power stations. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it's one thing to say you want progress, but it's another way you actually take the power away from, you know, the, the executor of those ideas uh, to see them come to fruition. So, I mean, it's a, it's a double whammy, uh, but this is where we find ourselves. As a country where, you know, um, politicians on the other side have got one agenda and the people are so sick and tired that they also want to see some progress mm. happening because we we're tired of these blackouts that we, we keep seeing um, yeah. uh, constantly happening on the daily without any resolution with a date inside saying on this date so there will be no longer any load shedding yeah. in South Africa. I mean, Bulaz, um, what do we make of this? Uh, and I ask that in the context of, of, fully, of being fully aware that Professor... Mahoba would certainly be alive to the fact that we are at a moment now, crisis mode. Everybody needs to show at least um, you know, some confidence, not only to the consumers, but to the marketplace and even to the policymakers themselves, that there is some plan about what needs to and ought to happen at ESCOM. And more importantly, that the board and the management team are batting on the same wicket. Now, when you call to parliament and you have to come before SCOPA and uh, the board doesn't pitch and the CEO's there, um, you know, uh, trying to... I guess, cut a loan figure there and try and defend uh, some of the decisions and uh, some of the plans that they have, it certainly doesn't inspire confidence of any of the parties that I've just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've covered all the, the, the necessary bases. I mean, you're talking about uh, lawmakers, you're talking about the ratings agencies, you're talking about uh, stakeholders and people who, that have 
interest in our country, whether it's direct foreign investments or whether it's just running um, existing businesses locally, because um, quote unquote, a lot of you know the private sector kind of guys are sitting on money on cash. They're not reinvesting in the business mm. because they don't see a future here locally. And you know that has a ripple effect. We've seen it uh, go from that um, to, for example, the people that are matriculating or graduating in these dire times are not going to be able to find a job as easily as it was, say, five or, or six or, or, or eight or ten years ago. So it, it does have a ripple effect going forward. But again, like you're saying. Uh, we need to take responsibility, not just as the people of Africa, but the people that we've elected mm. you know, to say these are the skilled people that we've put up there um, to come, you know, try to fix this quote-unquote crisis that we are facing at the yeah. moment. Bulaz, yeah. let's talk about this ban uh, that was lifted here on cattle auctions, I guess in the context of, uh, 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 you know, the foot-and-mouth disease and the impact that that had on meat exports. Uh, and even prices of uh, red meat. Uh, what does this now mean, not only for consumers, but even uh, for many of the feedlots that have certainly had uh, a much of, uh, you know, where their channels to the marketplace halted somewhat? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is very, it's very painful for uh, new farmers uh, and emerging farmers to find that, you know, there's been a ban um, on, on all animals with hooves. Uh, this doesn't just you know end with with cattle like you're saying, but also uh, one of one of our biggest and most proud exports uh, in South Africa is actually our pork meat. You know, mm. our, uh, everyone likes their bacon, especially Americans. Um, and yes, um, unfortunately, like you said, there was a ban last year uh, of of these cattle and uh, these animals with hooves because of that. You know, a foot and mouth disease, like you're saying, but. Uh, you know, a lot of countries also, you know, put uh, South African meat, you know, to say like on a, I want to call it a light ban, mm. so you won't order it from you guys until that ban is, is sorted and in that zone, basically the whole of South Africa is disease-free because we don't want to take the risk. The thing is, the, 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 the foot of mouth disease itself, uh, when once the meat is cooked and, you know, you eat it, it's not really a big threat to, to, to humans, but it's a, a massive threat while you're transporting, you know, uh, the meat while it's still raw, if it does come into contact with, you know, um, you know human skin or, you know, um, or so something like that, uh, mm. which, is, which is not good. Um, and, I mean, also, if you are, uh, you know, a mass producer of meat, or you're known for your, you know, your good um, meat production yes. in your country. You want to have uh, very stringent um, ISO compliance in terms of, yeah. you know, quality control of the meat. Okay. I want to be. Well, ha- I want to be happy to know that I'm eating yeah. fresh quality meat from South Africa without, you know, all of these uh, diseases. Seven minutes it is before eight p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories, and I'm joined uh, by the meat eating <laughs> Bright Kumalo, analyst at Vestec. Asset management, and uh, he's back, I guess, uh, from uh, that stake he was having. Uh, let's shift our attention uh, slightly away, I guess, from uh, some of the uh, uh, you know uh, compliance issues that you're raising there when it comes uh, to the feedlots and uh, to the uh, beef and pork sector, and take a look at uh, uh, I guess the quality of the data uh, that uh, many of us would work with every single day. And it seems that uh, the South African Stats Council, which advises that SA and uh, many other policymakers, uh, has threatened to resign. Uh, over some of the uh, resourcing challenges that uh, are underway at Stats SA. Yes, yes, yes. Your resident uh, proud meat eater is back. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the, the issue uh, at Stats SA is actually one of funding, right? I mean, 
we're talking about again this is you know it's a it's a tough environment economically to operate in and obviously um that pushes a lot of entities including state-owned entities and these kind of bodies that provide us with such amazing data because i should use a lot of these guys data but uh, the council here what they're talking about is the fact that about 160 million rands worth of their budget got cut and about a fifth of their staff, so about around 20% of their staff, uh, was, you know, ended up jobless, uh, for a lack of a better word, because they were not being deployed in, in, in this instance. And what it means is that for the people that are remaining in the, in the council or working for Test SA, they find themselves in a very, um, you know, tight corner where they have to work six to seven days a week sometimes just to fill up, you know, the space of their own job and mm. all these jobs of the other people that you need know, to pick up all the slack, right? So well, you need to pick that, that slack yourself. And it's it, it's ugly, to say the least. And I mean, again, you know, this is another uh, uh, classic example where you find, uh, you know, that you've got politicians on the one side, you know, um, obviously that 160 million rand you think is being saved. It's probably being, re, you know, doing a U-turn, going elsewhere to fund something else at the cost of Stats SA, which was a very good you know, institution when it comes to producing this kind of data for our country and for, again, our stakeholders that have interest in these numbers. Mm. Um, it, 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 it has ripple effects. Again, I mean, uh, I've already spoken about, you know, who gets affected here. It's not just you and me. It's the whole country. It's how we are viewed as a country because now... We don't want to find ourselves in a situation where, mm. like China, and every set of numbers that we produce in the country, no one trusts it or, or believes in it because the people producing those numbers are not trustworthy, mm. and the numbers themselves are not of good quality. But so, for us to keep that quality yeah. of our numbers, we need uh, great support from the government to ensure that these um, uh, kinds of institutions are well funded. I guess also, Bulazi, this this plays smack bang into the middle of some of the debates around trade-offs from a fiscal and a budgetary perspective that uh, is going to occupy much of our time for the next week or so. And I'm sitting here asking myself, I mean, if you are, you know, that great chef from Ahubas Kluif, uh, who is also our finance minister, uh, and you're sitting here and you're saying even the data on which you uh, prepare some of the annexes to your own budget, uh, you know, uh, stands at risk here if you don't uh, capitalize uh, a stats essay. But um, there's maybe many other clamoring and very noisy appeals for more resources in other places. Uh, you know, how do you make yeah, the yeah, case? I mean, how do you make the case for Stats SA? Well, I mean, I, I've already made the case for, for Stats SA because it's not only a representation of uh, just Stats SA as an independent it's mm. on its own, but it's also a representation of the whole country and the quality of the data that comes out of this country that gets put in platforms like Bloomberg for, you know, the whole world to access easily. So it's, it's not just that. It's, a, it's, a, it's bigger than just you know, South African numbers. It's, mm. it's, it's, for me, it's, you know, it's that quality and the trust that you say, you know, these numbers come from a great, you know, uh, council of PhDs in mathematics and statistics uh, of South Africa, the best South Africa could offer, right? But at this point, if those guys are all going to quit at the same time, I, I wonder what's going to be left. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be in shambles. All I'm saying is you want to start questioning the numbers mm. and you don't want to start there. Uh, you know, you, sure. the next thing you know is you're going to have uh, South African accounting or South African statistics, mm. which is, uh, I promise you don't want to hear that because that will be 
uh, have a lot of you know negative connotations definitely, towards it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Talking about uh, numbers and uh, I guess targets. Uh, that certainly haven't been met. I mean, uh, one of those is uh, certainly transformation and employment equity targets within the private sector. And it seems now there's a new bill uh, coming out of the Department of Employment and Labor to give the minister uh, powers to uh, set uh, sector-by-sector employment equity targets. Uh, And I guess also this uh, comes on the back of the president also expressing uh, his displeasure about uh, 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 the slow pace of transformation within the private sector. Yeah, I mean, like you say, this... this, uh forces transformation in the workplace. Uh, this this is not obviously just um, in the private space, but obviously we like to, co- to, to focus well, more on the private space. You're actually space. right. I mean, even SOEs have certainly had a yes, very, very yes. bad, uh, just according to the BE Commission <laughs> and the Employment Equity Group. Yes. yes, yes, yes. This is just to make sure that if a place that we call a workplace, you know, is transformed, mm. most importantly, especially since we do have skills in South Africa, and we keep telling ourselves, no, 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 we actually just need to upskill the right people to get to those uh, jobs, right? Um, let me not, you know, moan again about upskilling and et cetera, et cetera, and the youth that's not going to be getting a lot of jobs mm. uh, in the next coming days. But basically, this uh, Employment Equity Act, you know, this the old version used to want, you know, um, entities to have reasonable progress. They must show reasonable progress of how they've transformed the company, let's say, year on a year-on-year year or quarter-on-quarter quarter basis, depending on when they report those numbers, right? Mm. And obviously, they had the little certificates with the percentage showing that, you know, this is how much you've transformed and are we happy with ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. Some of the firms, you know, the kinds of firms like we're talking about, the private kind, where they have the money, they'll choose, you know, like friends of the company, uh, say, uh, Ayabong Atao is a friend of, uh, XYZ Limited, and they'll make him, you know, the PE, so PE uh, shareholder, and he'll own a fifth of the company. And you ask yourself, is that really the broad-based transformation mm, you want sure, in South sure. Africa? Whereas there's been employees that have been working in this company for about 30 years, mm. for example, uh, who have never actually gotten a piece of the pie because maybe they are shy people, they don't speak that way, maybe they yeah. don't know uh, that they could be compensated in this way, or maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe ah, doesn't take Ulaz, you're being so diplomatic. <laughs> Maybe sometimes I want by a shy, shy. They make you but sign the something. Out. Yeah, they make you sign something and you unwittingly sign it and, uh, you know, uh, whatever is supposed yeah. to be due to you, you, you have no knowledge of. Yeah, but the, this, usually I'll say I'm, I'm always against, um, you know... Uh, Sweeping uh, generalizations, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Politicians, you know, mm. meddling with what's happening in the private space. But right now, this is a perfect example where private and public could work together yes. to achieve, uh, you know, a goal that's... Um, that will benefit, you know, South Africa as a that rainbow nation that mm. Nelson Mandela loved to see happen, yeah. uh, which seems to have slipped in, in, in most recent days. Yeah, I mean, like also, Bulaz, you know, number one. let's move beyond Rainbow Nation. Even you guys in the fund management community must start to squeeze these guys. Right? Start to squeeze them if uh, you can see that they're really taking a pedestrian approach uh, when it comes to uh, issues of transformation. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and, 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 and when I say that, I mean, uh, I also say it in the context that for many businesses, uh, both South African businesses and even those that come from outside South Africa, what people don't realize yeah. is that it's a strategic value and a strategic benefit that they can have by having more diverse teams uh, because that gives you a, a very wide array of worldviews, which in many instances also mirror and the worldviews of some of your con- consumers. Yes, better succession, diversification mm, of skills, exactly. and uh, better progress of the company, and actually growing your market share in the space you, you're operating in because the viewpoints are not, for example, say, very clubby mm. and linked to, say, 
one kind of thinking which came from Michael House and UCT. Exactly. Yeah, Paul Ruiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. We, mm. We're trying to diversify uh, the workspace as we, 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 we're diversifying uh, the country. Well, the, the, the country's already diversified. Sure. We're just trying to equalize it. Uh, what you see in the country is what you see in corporates, especially in those strategic positions. Mm. So this is a one one very, very rare case where I'm, I'm definitely for it and I'm saying uh, kudos to what is happening. Sure. But now, what really, you know, I have in the back of my mind is the approach of how this is going to be mm. done. Is it going to be uh, on a target basis where I point fingers and say, you and you and you are not transformed enough. I'm saying 30% of this business needs to be transformed and it needs to be portrayed. Ah. come to me and... <laughs> Let's take that one to the public participation process around this poll. Because it's still yeah, in a very yeah, I mean, bold uh, form and uh, I think there's uh, a wide scope of opportunity for, for all of us to make our comments so that uh, by the time those lawmakers that are sitting in, in yeah, Parliament, yeah. yes, by the time those lawmakers in Parliament are sitting there scribbling and signing uh, over uh, what then becomes law, uh, it will certainly yeah. be, I guess, an outcome of a lot of contestation and engagement uh, across a wide cross-section of people in our society. But Mtungwa, thank you so much for your time and uh, we'll certainly be picking up that conversation thank under you, the microscope this evening on this question of uh, broad-based black economic empowerment. How broad-based is it? Uh, those are some of the questions we're going to be asking uh, this evening. But big thank you there to uh, Bright Kumalo, analyst at Vestact Asset Management, for helping us take a look